Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, today is a wonderful day, and it's always a wonderful day when my co-host is joining me on this episode. So, Micah, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. You build me up just to tear me down. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> never going to give you up. Never going to tear you down. <laughs> I don't think it would be a podcast if you didn't break into some sort of lyric. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, especially the last episode where I'm singing random songs. Yes, I, and we talked about what a troubadour is, and uh, I actually listened to that episode yes, the, today or yesterday, and we were talking about how, uh, you know, and you start, you, or the, I think it was the conference that you were at last weekend, and then you were talking about how the singing goes along, and yeah, uh, I think and I started singing the Witcher theme song. Yes, and I think Dr. you'd be perfect. <laughs> I think you'd be perfect at that. Uh, uh, perfect at that role. But um, well, if you if everybody caught my streaming channel that I game, there's a part in the game that I'm playing. I'm playing Okami, and there's this part where you could feed animals, and there's like this moment where the camera pans in a whole slowly in a 360 circle while you, as your character is sitting there watching this animal eat food that you put out before them. So mm-hmm. I started doing haikus. <laughs> and I just started making random haikus up, and it was so funny. So you can catch it out at twitch.tv slash games never finished. Just check on the episode today and listen to my wonderful haikus. There's a cheap plug there for you. <laughs> cheap plug. There you go. I need a sound effect. <laughs> like those, like those uh, shock jocks. Hey, hey, put a push a button and Here's sound effect. But anyway, um, so before we dive into everything, I actually got I actually got a comment from our last episode. Last week's episode? Last week's episode about NDAs and contracts and cease and desist. I think this should be our new segment because I always forget about the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. No, day. but well, we could we could skip that segment for today. That's fine but with me. But... I could think about one, but th- this okay. this could be a new segment for us. Yeah, if, if people again, if you want, if feel free, good, bad, or ugly, comment on our comment on our episode, and we will share it. But no, there is a pastor who happened to stumble upon the podcast, was listening to it, and actually wrote to me and said, "Hey, I actually went back." He said he served at this church for many many years, and when this pastor resigned, he had to sign an NDA. And he that did it because they're offering, you know, they're offering like a pretty big, um, you know, kind of severance package. Severance package, yeah. Um, and he actually went back and he still had the letter. So he actually went back and read it. And as he was reading through the letter, he realized that, yeah, there was no plan or anything in that letter that had to do with reconciliation. And even said that, you know, some of the relationships that he's had at that church when everything went down are still kind of severed because of none of those relationships being restored or being reconciled. And basically, thank you and me for doing a good job and talking about this topic. So that was the gist of the uh, of the message I got. So I think we also had a comment on our, our Matt Chandler episode, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. You can <laughs> Somebody go to commented YouTube. on your YouTube you can page. Go to YouTube and find that because some of that stuff. Uh... <laughs> but you had no idea who it was. Like it was a no, I have no idea, and... but. Yeah. No, but there was comments on the Matt Chandler one. There was some stuff, people who were kind of, I don't know if they had more insight, inside information, but they were commenting on it. 
And one particular person <laughs> was commenting about, I don't understand how these pastors who have these smoking hot wives can go in and cheat. And even though we don't really know, like right now, cheating is not the main reason, at least the official statement that was given why Matt Chandler took a leave of absence and that his wife knew about it. But yeah, there is definitely some comments there that, uh, again, you'll have to go find the YouTube episode of that. Uh, I think it's, I don't even know what episode number that is, but just look up Scott Simmon podcast, Matt Chandler and scandal. And you should be able to find the, uh, the video and you can read all the wonderful comments on there. <laughs> but yeah, we've been getting more comments. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> wonder if it has anything to do with me. Those comments about Matt Chandler? No, just the traction we're getting. I I don't know, man. Or maybe it's because we're, or maybe it's because we're more I'm more consistent now. I usually would put a podcast every three months, and now I'm doing one every week. Consistency is key. So you have That's a weird story, us, Micah. <laughs> Do what? You have a weird story for us. Um. Not so much weird as like uh I've been at this this new church for about a month now and we're trying to feel out like what the best format is for um you know how we can do order worship and get everybody incorporated and what to include, what not to include, what things to let go, what things to incorporate, um, things to uh like enhance the service and make it better. Um and I don't know how you guys do it where you're at now, Scott, but like the last couple of weeks, we've tried various iterations of, <clears throat> you know, welcome, announcements, worship, announcements, back to worship, you know, all these different, you know, uh, ways of doing service. And the last couple of weeks, we tried this whole, like, we've had a pastor come up and do a brief welcome at the beginning of the service. And we do, um, you know, some, some brief announcements. And then we kind of like set them loose to go say hi to one another, you know, greet each other and handshake, yeah. hug, whatever. And then we, we just dive right into worship. And so like the last couple of weeks, like I, I got up on the platform yesterday to tune my guitar and get ready to go for worship while that, that opening segment was happening. But like, there were like 14 people in the sanctuary and I'm like, where is everybody? So the pastor who was doing the welcome and the, the scripture share, you know, sharing scripture and, and some brief announcements and whatnot, you know, you know, come on in. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. Shared some scripture, set them off to greet each other. And again, there was like 14 people in there. But Scott, as soon as worship started, as soon as we dove right into worship, like it was um, about halfway through the first song and like the sanctuary was full. Like it, it and they told we we talked about it this morning in our staff meeting, but it's like. As soon as you start playing music, it's it's weird how the church is laid out. It's an older building, but mm-hmm. like as soon as they hear worship going, they're out there, you know, talking in the parking lot or talking in the lobby. And it's like, but as soon as they hear music, you know, that's like their cue. So I think we're going to kind of change uh, the way that we we structure worship. And um, <laughs> the pastor this morning was like, "We can just get rid of the meet and greet time because that's all they're doing in the lobby anyway. So let's just do worship and teaching." <laughs> that's that that is very true that so, is very true i was like oh well, you're the pastor you make that call so um i just found it really strange that like you can do worship um 
like the order of worship a number of different ways. And um, it doesn't matter which, you know, which order you do things. Um, it's, it's amazing to me that like church people can't be on time to church. I just don't get it. I've been doing this for 10 years, been going to church my whole life. You've been doing this your whole life. Um, but like I told, you know, our service starts at 1040 and I was like, you know, we should just change our service to 11 and actually start at 1040 because then people would be on time, you know, and we, my dad always used to joke and call it church of God time because, you know, people were just notoriously late, but I think that's most churches. Um, yeah, I think so too. And that can be a podcast in itself. Talk about <laughs> why do people not show up the time to church? Oh, so goodness. Did you do, do you have any weird experiences over the weekend at your church or? Uh, no, well, I was at a wedding and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, think every part... weekend since we've started our new role, Scott, you've had something different going on. You've had retreat. Yeah, I have like like I this weekend. Know. This weekend is the only weekend I don't have anything going on. This weekend, but yeah. Was, so was the I, wedding I, good? I, was that weird? Was it? Cool? It, it, it was so the wedding was weird. And, and you were weird back because it was, I was back, back in Virginia. Before? Yeah, so I was back in Virginia, and what made it weird wasn't necessarily. Um, anything odd that happened at the wedding. It was just, it was so untraditional. So just to kind of, the the people who I married were a couple who worked at the bakery that I worked at. Um, they asked me to, they, they, they tried to ask their pastor to marry them. The pastor wouldn't because the pastor is very much like, well, I don't marry people who are living with each other before marriage and has a firm stance on that. So, they're going to ask me, but then they found out I was moving. So they're like, oh, so they kind of were briefly talking about it. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to ask you to marry us. But we found out that you're moving. I'm like, I can still come back. Like my my marriage license is still good here in the state of Virginia. Plus, technically, I'm still a resident of Virginia until November because I still have my name on the lease at the apartment I have in Virginia. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll do it. That'll be fine. So. But because of, you know, for them trying to save money, they were doing it at a pub. And then they wanted to, and then, so they invited people from the pub to show up. They, the groom and the bride were dressed up. So the groom was wearing a suit. The bride was wearing a wedding dress. So they wanted me to dress up. So here I am walking into this pub dressed in a suit and I walk in and I was I was pretty impressed because they actually took down all the tables and they moved all their chairs and they actually set it up very nicely to the little tiny stage that they had. Um, I usually do a charge for my wedding and usually I have like a cross or something. But since I wasn't in the church and there definitely wasn't a cross going to be at a pub, um, I used my Bible and I kind of modified my charge a little bit towards the end of my ceremony so it's funny because then they also told the um the owner the people working the um pub no one's allowed to have any drinks until after the ceremony so i went up there i go hey can i have a glass of water and they're like yes you're the only person who's allowed to have a drink so they gave me a glass of water i'm like man i should have asked for something a little bit stiffer <laughs> but we did this- did it sign an nda scott no I did not have to sign an NDA for getting a glass of water. Um, But no, I went there and 
we did the ceremony. It went well, but I was, but wait, it even weirder is that the pastor of their church was who wouldn't marry them was actually there in attendance. So I got to do service, got to talk to him for a little bit and we knew each other. So everything was cool. We just got to talk and catch up. And then there's some people from the bakery there. So we got to talk and catch up. And there's some other people there that I knew from various part things that I was part of in that area of Virginia who were talking to me. There are some people who are asking me, literally they're asking me, hey, what church do you preach at? I'd like to come visit you, visit your church. And I'm like, well, I got news for you, pal. <laughs> you have to drive to Ohio if you want to hear me speak. <laughs> so... I said, no, I, re I resigned from my church here in Virginia a couple of years ago. So, but it was funny though, because there's a lot of people who came up to me and said, man, that was such a beautiful service. You did a good job. Everything you did was like my hopes and prayers for this cupper. You just articulated very well in your sermon and your little homily and everything that you did for that service. So everybody was like really high on my performance of doing this wedding. So well, I so want to it say was, it was good, but I mean, it was probably the, I feel like there's only been one, actually, I think there's only been one wedding that I've conducted that has been in a church. One, I did one out, I've done outdoor weddings. I've did one in a pub. I did one at the old Cleveland courthouse where they filmed the Avengers movie. So I was actually in there. Um, yeah. So I think there's only one wedding I've done that was actually in a church building. Well, I want to say too. You said that the um, that the wedding that you did over the weekend was like one of the most least organized and least you know the traditional weddings that you've ever done. And and I want to say to that for somebody who's done several weddings, I've done a, you know several weddings. Those weddings tend to be the easiest because there's no stress involved. Oh yeah, there's like it's it's not chaos. There's no bridezillas. There's no craziness of which family's trying to control what stuff and. You know, they don't go crazy if something doesn't happen and things aren't perfect. Like those throwaway weddings are like amazing, because, oh, yeah. especially from from uh, from the pastor's perspective. Um, and we should do an episode on that. Like I did a wedding. Um, one of my best friends at work, his name's Rich, and he did the one of the Star Wars episodes with us on Nerd Talk. And he uh, and his wife, now wife, um, we're going to get married in like October, November of 2020 when COVID was going on. But um they called me the Monday before the country shut down or the world shut down. And they said, mm. Hey, we don't want to wait. Can we get, if we eloped, will you, will you do the ceremony this weekend? So we met them in a park outside in March on a Saturday and I performed their ceremony. And it was basically a throwaway. Like they, they dressed up and everything like they were going to get married in a church and like, it, you know, they still did the normal ceremony, but it was very much last minute. So there was none of this, like, craziness in uh reference to super uh super planning or over planning and so it turned out to be a wonderful ceremony and like it was freezing it was spitting snow it was in the yeah. park on a saturday but like after they sent us home and you know the the world was shutting down they uh we managed to get it done so but there was no stress involved with that so it was it was good so i don't know if you agree with that like no the, i i'd say i yeah I'd, I'd say that like that would yeah, I would say. I mean, really, the only thing I had to worry about was when you do the whole, do you so-and-so take the, this so-and-so to be your wife or husband? Like, Because a lot of times when I write it out, 
I just put the other person, the other person parties in parentheses. So I read back instead of me typing everything out, I just kind of do it. But then it's like, okay, now I have to remember to change him to her and actually don't say Micah, will you take Micah to be your bride or something? And then everyone gets a laugh because I misspoke. Like then that was probably the only time I got nervous, but everything else was, I mean, it flew and it was good and it was wonderful. So yeah, so on to our topic today. Uh, one of the things we talked about in our last episode, you made a comment about, you know, sometimes, you know, the reason why we do these podcasts or talk about these things is because sometimes, you know, being in ministry is a lonely job. And it it kind of made me think of the idea of, you know, should pastors have friends that are part of the church that they're pastoring at? And I feel like, in my years of ministry, I have heard people talk about this and I have gotten the gambit of answers. People say yes, people say no. So, Michael, what what's your thoughts? Should ministers have developed at least maybe friendships or close friendships in the churches that they are a part of? Um. Well, yesterday when we were texting about what we were going to record about this week um i i chose this topic and you know i said it'd be great to talk about this but also take it a step further with the connotation of like what would it be like to have friends outside the context of the ministry that you serve um and uh it's a healthy conversation because i think you know back to your question the first question i think it's okay to have friends in the ministry you serve because i mean you have to do life with these people i mean Mm -hmm. they're part of the the church that you serve and uh, we serve the church with the lay people um, and staff and other folks um, accordingly and alike to uh, further the kingdom of God. And it's uh, it can also be, you know, it's, it's one of two things, right? One, it can be a very, very fruitful thing. Um, You can have lasting and lifelong friendships and relationships that, depending upon how long you stay in a ministry or a a church or vocation in community in which you serve. Um, it can be a lifelong thing, right? It could be a lifelong friendship. However, on the flip side of that, um, the second thing is that it can be, it can be a a fine line and it can be dangerous, right? Because Mm -hmm. if, what if things go sour? What if those friends throw you under the bus? What if they turn on you? What if things don't pan out the way that they're supposed to? What if you leave a ministry, um, you know, I can share several uh, stories and, and, and illustrations from being a child where we were, you know, we grew up in a pastor's home. And so like when so-and-so's family got mad and left the church, they, the, the couple not only took each other, but they took their kids and I was friends with their kids. Right. So like when, um, you look really confused. No, keep going. Keep going. Um, you're good. The. You know, I was not only was, you know, we were friends with their kids, you know, you know, our parents were friends with their parents. We were friends with their kids. And so when they would leave the church, um, we never saw them again. Hmm. Right. So it became a very, very hard thing for us to deal with. And so, like, it could, like I said, it could be one of two things. One, it could be very fruitful and, you know, you can have lasting friendships. uh, Or two, it can be very toxic and, uh hurtful because people decide to leave the church or there's a falling out and you just don't have those 
relationships anymore. And if I could say one other thing, it's, it's weird. Uh, we talked about this probably a little bit in our preacher's kid episode with Jordan. Um, but we, but when you move, when you pick up and you move, you start all over again. So like those friendships start all over again um, as kids and as adults. So um, it's kind of like the first day of school. You just don't know what to expect. And uh, people can be nice to you up front and there's this honeymoon phase. But after a while, like people may show their true colors and, you know, who to trust and who not to trust and who to give that responsibility to and what, and you know, and so on and so forth. So what do you think, Scott? Yeah, so I I say my situation was a bit different because when I was um, when I started going back to church, and this would have been uh, early to mid, actually been mid mid nineties, we started going back to church. Um, the associate pastor at the church I was attending, and the pastor's wife kind of really ministered to my parents, especially my mom who was going through a lot of stuff. Um, and they kind of became like, almost like a second family to us. And it was one of those things where I kind of saw how here's a pastor who's good friends with not only my mom and my dad, but then also to me and my sister. And I think just having that example and that being good. And even like, you know, there's times where. I talked to if I was having issues with my parents, you know, as any like angst teen would, you know, I'd talk to the pastor who is the family friend and just kind of, hey, you know, here's this, here's that. And and even to this day, still good family friends. Um, you know, now they've kind of gotten the title of aunt and uncle, um, not only from us, but also from our kids and my niece and nephew. So I have seen where having good, strong friendships within the church has been very good, very holistic, very wonderful. On that same token, I haven't really, I, I can say I haven't really experienced any bad, mainly because going through seminary and going through bible college and seminary when this question would be brought up usually the answer was always a resounding no don't don't have if you're going to have best friends do it outside the church develop friendships outside um from your congregation because if you start and really i think a lot of the examples were you know it could show favoritism um when those friendships do kind of crumble, it becomes like a gut punch uh, to you when it can really take a toll on how you lead in ministry. And, and there's the gambit of all that. But then it's like everything that I've experienced personally, you know, friendships were good and friendships were one of those wonderful things that, you know, really helped motivate a minister. Plus, you know, there's times where I'd make friends with people outside in the community and then they wanted to come to church. And it's like, what do you do with that when you're making friends of people who don't go to church or don't go to your church? And then because of the relationship that you built, now they start attending your church. What do you do? Cut the relationship now? Like, like I think there's a, I think there's a lot to really um, navigate 
it even just I did a quick search on Google just see how many people are even interested in this topic. And there's a lot recently and even just looking at and again, I just did a Google result and just did hits. I'm not actually reading an article, but just looking at just some of the bylines, it's like Influence Magazine, the Gospel Coalition, uh, Jesus Leadership Training, Ministry Magazine, BaptistNews.com. Um, very, a lot of them are saying yes. Some say yes with limits. Some say no. So I think just kind of using that as a baseline, it is kind of a mixed bag on, you know, can you be friends with people who are your congregants as a pastor? Yeah. And I was thinking about this as we were, you know, kind of you know, bringing up this topic, but um, the the first church I worked at uh, back in, in 20, uh, what year was that? 2013, 2014. Um, you know, I, I lived about 40 minutes away from where the church was. And so like I lived in the Franklin Middletown area and we lived in, um, or the church, I'm sorry, was in North, North Dayton. And so it was 40, 45 minutes, you know, on a bad day with traffic away from my house. And then the same thing with the church that I worked at last year, the larger church in Cincinnati, um, I was 40 to 45 minutes away. However, I feel like I had two different lives going. I had like a life in the community where I lived uh, with my friends, with, with my family. And then I had my life at the churches where I served. So like, you know, I kind of feel that way now where I work in, in the secular world in higher education. It's like, you know, I, I drive to Oxford, Ohio, where Miami is. And <clears throat> I know, I know the city of Oxford very, very well. I know people that live there. I have friends that live there, coworkers, colleagues, um, and it's like, almost like I have two different lives. So like when I leave, um, you know, at five o'clock or, you know, leave on Friday and don't come back till Monday or Tuesday, it's like, oh, like I, I, I can turn that part of my life off. So, um, but I think it's also healthy to have friends and colleagues outside of the ministry, um, especially the ministry that you're serving. Scott, what do you think about, uh, that concept and or do you think people get persecuted or, or or given a hard time because they they're not connecting with their congregants on a more deeper level it's uh i think that's a great question i think it's twofold i think a lot of times like i mean when you think about just a basic friendship and let's just kind of remove the church out of it why are people friends with um, other people? Well, usually because, you know, you have common interests. There's things that you have in common. Um, maybe there's just a, you guys are in the same season of life. Um, like my kids, they're just kids. So every time they go see anybody new, they say, oh, here's my friend. And they play with them and they get along with them very well. You know, as you get older, it's like, well, you know, I'm usually trying to be friends with people who have similar interests that are like minded. Or maybe I could have a friend that may have a difference of opinion on certain things. But for the most part, there's a lot of other things that kind of keep us connected that even those differences isn't going to be a big strain to that relationship. Um, so for an example, like, you know, one of the 
couple churches I interimed or even churches that I pastored at, like I didn't really have make a lot of friends because there wasn't a lot of common interest besides like our love for Jesus, like, you know, not a pe people who are over in their 60s don't really care about, you know, video games or role playing games or or some of or rugby or things that I was interested in. Um, and then kind of moving to Virginia, there are a couple people who I had we had similar interest in and kind of built those relationships and kind of built those friendships. And even that, you know, that kind of was didn't go too deep because there were some other things that kind of prevented those things from going deep, usually with a can't really go out and have game night with you because I'm have an infant and I got to take care of it. Or, you know, Laura may be exhausted or tired or she has an event that she needs to go to. So I'm, I'm on, you know, kid duty. So can't really go out and do a lot of things. Um, so I think a lot of times when, People say, well, you're not going deep enough in relationships with me. At the same time, we have to kind of look at things through the other person's point of view. Maybe the pastor's not going deep into that relationship because, A, they have small kids or they have a lot of, so they can't really go out and do karaoke night at eight o'clock because they're getting their kids to bed or they're getting the kids baths. Um Maybe that pastor doesn't want to grow in a deep relationship because they've been burned in ministry in the past. Maybe they had a good friend and still mourning and still wounded from that relationship. So that's why they're not going deep into that relationship with you. So I think a lot of times, both on the congregation side, you know, if you see, if you want a deep relationship with your pastor and you want to have that friendship, and you want to build that friendship, you know, a lot of times, and I hate to say it, but a lot of times you're going to have to be the one who has to take the initiative because I think in some ways pastors are going to be a, they're not going to, or there may be times where pastors may have went to a seminary, went to a Bible school saying, no, 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 you can't do it. So you want to be their friend. The pastor's going to say, absolutely not. And it's not because they're there to hurt your feelings. And it's not because they don't like you or they don't love you or anything else like that. It's mainly because they have this, extra biblical rule that you can't do it because that's what they were taught and that's what they're told. So they don't build those friendships with people in the church. They may build a lot of relationships with other pastors or other people outside, or once the pastor leaves, then he'll build a relationship and a friendship with you after that pastor's gone, because you know, you're no longer under his care. You're no longer under his watch or her watch. Well, how hard is it to connect other than the surface level with people, right? Yeah. And, and to, to further that question, you know, <clears throat> depending on the size of the church that you serve, how how is it possible for you to be that close with that many people, right? And then be a good husband and a good father and a good pastor and a good leader and a good community leader and, you know, so on and so forth. Like, it's in my opinion, it would have been unreasonable to ask those things. And, and I think even when we look at the model of Jesus, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, but, and I mean, he had multiple disciples, but he had kind of the close 12, but then he had the three, he had the three, he had, um, 
he had John, he had Peter, and he had James. Mm-hmm. Those three. Those were probably his like BFFs. And then everyone else were like BFs, and then everyone else were just, you know, disciples or friends, but you know, they weren't they were going up on the mountain with him when Jesus was having a transfiguration. Simon's not doing that. You know, Bartholomew's not doing that. Zacchaeus, if he was still following Jesus after after Jesus called him down from a tree, Zacchaeus is not going up on the mountain during for the transfiguration. You know, it's it's John, Peter, and James. Um so so yeah, and I think it's hard. I think it also depends on the type of pastor too. You can have pastors who are very introverted and you know, they it's, very, it's really hard for them. It's very hard for them. And yet you, you can have people like me who are very extroverted who thrives and energizes being around people so want to make those friendships um and at the same time you know you can even have church people have that same mentality like oh well you can't be friends with pastors or you you might see like oh well pastors building all these great relationships with all these you know these young families but pastor doesn't care about us uh you know us old timers so and it's not necessarily that the pastor doesn't care doesn't care about the old timers in the church pastor does is just he connects with younger families because the pastor is young and he has a young family or she has a young family and they are just naturally connected to that because there's similar interests there's similar struggles you know it's easy to go talk to someone who's struggling through parenting than it is to go to someone who goes well you know what i did when my kids were teething i just gave them a shot of Jim Bean. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that doesn't, that's not going to fly for us. That'll be child endangerment. If it'd be really bad. If, oh yeah. Someone at the church, I'm going to give my kid Jim Bean. Oh yeah. Moral failing. Get out of here. You're no longer a pastor. <laughs> oh goodness. But yeah. So I think it is, um, it is, it is a struggle. And I think the other side of that coin is let's say you have a pastor who does make good connections and good relationships or good friendships within the church. So let's just say the pastor leaves due to, let's just say the pastor leaves due to, you know, God just simply said, okay, your time here is done. It's time to move on. And I feel like there's also that time where once a pastor leaves a church and goes to a different church. It's almost like the people who the pastor was friends with. It's almost like, okay, well, we can't be friends with them anymore because they're no longer attending our church. I mean, I had a buddy of mine who's a worship leader and was a worship leader at this church for, I'd say probably about 10 years. It was a long time. I'm not really sure, but kind of felt the call to kind of step away and, wife was involved in children's ministry and he kind of even told his wife you know if you still feel called to do ministry here that's fine i'm just going to step away from leading worship because i just don't feel called to do it anymore and i don't want to kind of hold on and and his wife kind of felt that you know i feel like i god's not calling me to continue children's ministry here so they left and a lot of their people in their small group were like oh so i guess this is goodbye and they're like what do you mean like we could still be friends we could still hang out like if you're having a small group at your house we'll still come we're just no longer 
here at the church, we feel God has called us to be elsewhere. But yeah, we will we'll still come and hang out with you guys. You guys are still our friends. Like, and so they have to really quickly kind of have to break that stigma because I think there is a stigma that once pastor leaves, you can no longer have those relationships or that friendships anymore with them. So what are your thoughts, Micah? Sorry, your uh, your camera, your video locked up, but your your audio is kind of coming in and out. So I, oh, I got part okay. of that, but didn't get all of it. What was the? Oh, it was just it was just the thing about you know. What was the question again? Just breaking the stigma of like when a pastor leaves, that you can still be friends with the pastor if you're a congregant, even after they leave and go to a different church, if you still have that strong good connection with them. That doesn't seem like a question, but yeah. So yeah, kind so of... <laughs> it's, uh... I don't know how much how much I was cutting in and out on your end. So no, I get, sure. I get what you're I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I... No, I, I I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I think it just depends on how uh, where you are and, and and on what kind of terms you are, you're leaving as a pastor. And if you leave on good terms, you know. You can stay in touch with folks. Um, a lot of times I find that like if you're going to another ministry situation or you're moving or things, it's really hard to stay in touch. But the people that will stay in touch with you are the people that want to stay in touch with you. Um, however, if it's you're leaving on bad terms, you may never talk to those people again. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of, um, and then even kind of going back to, even kind of going back to our last episode, you know, if a pastor had to sign an NDA and let's yeah. say you're good friends with the pastor and you have no idea what's going on and you still want to connect to the pastor and the pastor's kind of being distant. I don't think it's necessarily the pastor doesn't want to hang out with you, but I think it's like, well, I can't hang out with you because I know that if I do and you ask me why the pastor left or ask them why, why they left, they're they're probably going to tell you because you have that close bond or they're going to lie to you and they don't want to do that. So they just simply try to avoid. Yeah. Or disconnect completely. Exactly. It's kind of unplug and that's it. And just kind of become a, like Moses, just kind of become a shepherd in the lands of Midian. <laughs> <laughs> But Moses killed somebody, so hopefully no one's killing anybody. <laughs> and that's the reason why they left the ministry. <laughs> oh, goodness. Maybe they left the ministry before they ended up doing that. Oh. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, let's not let's not let's not think about that right now. <laughs> you brought it up. I, brought it, I know I brought it up and I'm taking it back. I brought it up and I'm like, nope, we're bringing it back down. I'm You've got a lot of editing to do for this episode. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm probably not going to edit this. I'm just going to keep it going. It's all it's authentic and raw. <laughs> but yeah, so I think so. I think at the end, where I kind of stand on it, yes, I think pastors should have friends in the church. I also think that there has to be boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know if I mean, I think a pastor can't really. You know, if a pastor has a 
meeting, an elder meeting or whatnot, and having dinner with his friends who attended church the next day, pastor shouldn't be talking about the meeting or what happened in the meeting, even if the other people ask, oh, yeah, you guys had a meeting. How was that? Like, you know, just say, well, you know, it's a meeting, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's just a meeting, you know, and just kind of leave it at that and don't really diverge or talk about it because you'd want to make sure that, A, you're being, you're, you're living out a life of integrity and you're living out a life of trying to do things that's best for the church and for everybody in the church. And I think at the same time, if you're a church member, you know, you also have to kind of be mindful that, yeah, just because you're good friends with the pastor doesn't mean that you get privy to the pastor's time and the pastor's information or even to the inside scoop of all the ins and outs that have, are happening at the church. Yeah, that's uh boundaries are a much needed thing and people don't always respect those. And so that can also lead to some some friction within relationships yeah. in the church. And so um, you could be best friends with somebody, take the church out of the equation for a second. You could be best friends. You still need those boundaries. You, need, you still need that separation. Um, mm -hmm. You can't always be together. So, um, yeah, healthy boundaries, healthy relationships are key to any successful ministry. Mark that down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, great topic. I think I think it's something that I think a lot of um, people struggle with, both in the church and even pastors. So, again, for those of you who are listening, do you struggle with this question? Are you a minister and you struggle with, trying to dive in with building good relationships with people in the church. If you maybe, maybe you're someone who's had success and would like to share about it. Maybe you're someone who did that and it blew, blew up in your face and, and you want to share that, you know, if you share your stories, we'll definitely, you know, obviously with permission, we'll ask for permission. We're not just going to share your stuff, but yeah, send us a, shoot us a email, shoot us a message. We'll definitely love to hear your thoughts on this topic and, and all that fun stuff and jazz and so yeah great great topic micah um so yeah i think we can go ahead and wrap this up so friends thank you so much for joining us on the scott seven podcast hope you have a great weekend and we'll be back on next week with another episode take care mm -hmm.